Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Mission Log is brought to you by the Eagle Moss Shop, home of official Star Trek collectibles, including rare and highly prized Starship models from all Star Trek TV series and related productions. Use the promo code MissionLog for 10% off your order at shop.eaglemoss.com slash USA slash MissionLog. This episode is also sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mission log. Mission log supplemental number 49 growing the network and turning the tables. Welcome into this supplemental edition of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion. Each week on Mission Log, we pick apart an episode of Star Trek, examining it for morals. Mean- oh, wait, Ken, I'm doing the bit. I'm yeah. doing the bit, because that's not what we're doing this week. I was going to say that's not what we're doing today. No, we are on our way back into um, uh, regular Mission Logs. That we have this one more show to do before we do that, though, and then we're never doing a supplemental again until the next one. <laughs> so but, uh, th- this was a fun show, though, because uh, Rod got to turn the tables on us. It's Rod interviewing me and you about the mission of Mission Log so far. We felt like that was the right way to come back from the hiatus uh, that we took for a few weeks. And um, speaking of that hiatus, I would just remind people, uh, you, you might be missing out on a great show called Mission Log Live yeah. that, will, uh, that will fill in those times. Um, I'm always surprised, Ken, at the number of people who listen to Mission Log who don't know about or don't listen to Mission Log Live, which they actually don't have to get live. Right. Yeah, because it, it drops as a podcast. I mean, if you go to podcast.roddenberry.com, there would be a link to it there. Or just go to, well, Spotify, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whichever one you want to call it, uh, the Google Play Store. I mean, there are all kinds of places where uh, Mission Log Live is available. And that would have at least let you know that we weren't dead. <laughs> right, right. Or or if you just uh, see us tweet or, uh, or email or whatever. Although this could be faked. I get it. I yeah, get it. yeah, it's but yeah, possible. Uh, but but today, uh, stick around because uh, Rod had some really great questions, some great probing questions, and um, I uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. He said, "All right, guys, I've only got an hour, and I've got to get out of here." But we just kept going, yeah, <laughs> and um, because it was a genuine, it was the kind of conversation that we would have on our own anyway. I don't know that the conversation itself was an hour, but there's the setup and takedown and all that stuff. But yeah, stick around because yeah, yeah. that'll be fun. So we're going to get to Rod. But before we get to Rod, we're actually going to talk with Allison Pitt. Uh, yes. Allison, of course, uh, the host of a, a new show on the Roddenberry Podcast Network, a new 
news show, as a matter of fact. Your daily Star Trek news is available. Uh, she'll be telling us uh, how she did that, why she did that, and uh, and tell you how to subscribe, which we certainly hope you will, because uh, daily Star Trek news, that's like that's like all the stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, every day, in fact. Well, daily. Well, Monday through yeah. Friday. You know. Yeah, sure. Well, that, that's most of the days. It's, it's the important days. Yeah, <laughs> Saturday, you're sleeping it off, and Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, you're gearing back up for the important days, those, of course, being Monday through Friday. I'm just full of anxiety on Sundays, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, um, uh, you heard us say at the top of the show that a couple of people are bringing you this show today. Uh, I would like to bring you a word from ExpressVPN. The great thing about living in the future, which which is where we are right now, John, and and where we're going to be in like a minute as well. Kind of mm-hmm. neat. Well, I'm very interested in the future. That's where I will spend the rest of my life. <laughs> it is indeed. I love that in the line. future. I love that line. Yeah. <laughs> the really cool thing about days like today is you can take your computer, your tablet, you know, all kinds of stuff and use them wherever you go. Portability plus ubiquity of Wi-Fi means we can do what we need to do wherever we are. But the thing is, we need to be safe while we do those things, which is why there's ExpressVPN. With ExpressVPN, the information you send and receive stays between you and the website to which you're connecting. That means bad guys won't get your banking information and data brokers won't get more information about you to monetize. Now, do you need a VPN at home? Probably not for the same reasons that you do when you're out in public, but I can tell you that I've been using ExpressVPN at home and my speed has not taken a hit. In fact, things that I've been unable to do running previous VPNs, I've had no problem doing with ExpressVPN. Like, like I was in Vegas a few weeks ago and I don't like using hotel Wi-Fi because I'm afraid somebody's going to, you know, tap in or something or, you know, uh, take some information. But that's always meant that I couldn't play Netflix in the hotel because VPNs always just slowed me down too much. Such is not the case with ExpressVPN. So that's an example. I can watch Star Trek in the hotel and know that nobody's tapping into my stuff. (laughs) Protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than seven bucks a month. It is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep your information secure... ExpressVPN is the solution. And if you don't want to hand over your online history to your internet provider or data resellers, ExpressVPN is the answer. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mission log. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N, expressvpn.com slash mission log for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash mission log to learn more. And a big thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this week's show. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spoil the end of the interview a tiny bit, John. Okay. I, yeah, do your thing, man. Yeah. I'm going to spoil the end of it just a tiny bit. Uh, Rod asked us what we were hoping for, for mission log going forward. And I said, Mm -hmm. one of the things about which I'm most excited is, is growing the network, growing the, uh, the types of shows and the number of shows that we have available. And, uh, and, and one of those actually has already started, started last week. Yeah. Daily Star Trek news started. We are very happy to have Allison Pitt here to tell us all about it. So this is always a starter question for me, but for people who don't know, uh, tell people about your Star Trek fandom. How did it start? 
you know, what's it consisted of through the years, stuff like that. That's a really hard question, actually, because I don't actually remember my Star Trek fandom beginning. I remember somewhere in the middle. I know there's a picture of me somewhere at the age of 13. I think for my 13th birthday, I got a TNG engineering uh, tunic for my birthday. And so there's a picture of me, you know, spotty face, greasy hair, (laughs) wearing this engineering tunic, and it's wonderful. Um, And I remember in high school watching Star Trek The Next Generation twice a day, easily. They, They would repeat the same episode at like... Um, like seven o'clock at night and then the next day at like three and I'd watch them both. (laughs) Um, Star Trek has always sort of been there for me as long as I can remember. And I don't remember a time that I wouldn't have considered myself a fan. I've actually spent the last four years doing a different Star Trek podcast. So you may have heard my voice on Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, which is also on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. And that kind of came at a as part of a chance encounter with the executive producer, Elijah. He taught me everything I know. Um, that Being a part of that show is really kind of what helped me grow into my fandom and brought me to where I am now. Uh, it's, it's some days... It takes me aback, actually, a little bit how involved I am in Star Trek as an adult now when I look back at it. All right. So uh, about this show in particular, um, Daily Star Trek News. So why why this show? Because here's the thing. This is a nut that I feel like I've been trying to crack for a long time, since even before there was a mission log, which I know there, there was a life before mission log. Um, so I want to know about this one. Why Daily Star Trek News? Well, I kind of saw an opportunity that, you know, there's a lot going on with Star Trek. It's a really exciting time to be a Star Trek fan right now. And I saw an opportunity to bring those kind of stories to people on a daily basis and also, you know, get the word out about things like current events and, you know, other podcasts that you might want to listen to. And when I was looking at the current range of uh, podcasts that are available, there really wasn't anything that was fitting that niche. So, I kind of thought, hmm, let's let's try this out. And so I started workshopping something. And I kind of got it to a point where I think that um, I can bring stories to people on a daily basis consistently all about Star Trek. Um, and then you can have that little piece of Star Trek every morning to listen to or afternoon or evening or whenever it works for you. Um but it was it was sort of a service that wasn't I didn't feel was being fulfilled anywhere else. So hopefully, like my goal in in all of this is that hopefully someone finds it useful. Someone gets something out of uh, being told about Star Trek stories um, every day. See, the thing that people because I've been telling people about it, obviously, since the show launched. And the first thing that a lot of people have said to me is, is there actually enough Star Trek news to do that? Uh, Yeah, there actually is. Now, I don't think that's been the case uh, consistently over the past five, ten years, certainly. But, uh, you know, CBS have just created this global franchise group for Star Trek. 
So they're 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 investing a significant amount of time and energy into growing the franchise. So there is a lot going on. We already know that there's five series in production at the moment. So there's plenty to talk about there. Um, but also CBS is doing some really interesting things with technology and streaming services. And that's a really rapidly changing landscape, too. So there's Star Trek and there's the currently produced Star Trek. There's old Star Trek. So, for instance, we just had uh, the release of uh, the Deep Space Nine documentary where people are looking back at old series of Star Trek. Um, but then there's the tangential things that that all work with Star Trek to 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 further the franchise and, and ensure its longevity over the years. So these are the kinds of stories that I'm talking about on a daily basis, not just Star Trek on its own, but, you know, a little bit of what's the Orville doing or, you know, what does the streaming landscape look like? All of those things kind of feed back into the Star Trek theme. Oh, OK. So so then what what fits and what doesn't? So if you if you got Orville news, you know what what are the uh, the delineations of what goes in the show? Well, what I focus on is uh, Star Trek as a franchise and as a fandom. So first and foremost, the stories that concern me are the ones that are talking about uh, what's happening on the stories on our screens or the stories that are about to come onto our screens. But then also, I'm concerned about things like what's the financial health of CBS. Are, do we think that CBS is making smart commercial decisions that is going to ensure the health of the franchise going forward to the next 50, 60 years? So that's that's where it is. It's not just any sci-fi on television or whatever. It's really focused on on Star Trek and talking about our fandom and making sure that we're all sort of in a healthy place and growing together into the future. Now, one of the things that we did uh, from um, before Mission Log actually started was structure. Mm-hmm. We laid out a clock. We played with it. We tweaked it a bit. You know, uh, we got the structure down before anybody heard the first thing. Yeah. You've got a structure that, I mean, well, you've structured the week, but there's variety throughout the week. Uh, sort of give people an idea of, 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 of how you've put the show together. So the thing that runs throughout the entire week is the news stories. So you're getting a few news stories every every day. Uh, but there's also some other things that I think that Star Trek fans will be particularly interested in. So there's a little bit of Trek trivia on Tuesdays. Uh, there's on Wednesday, I look at, you know, this week in Trek history, what was happening this week uh, back in Trek. Uh, Thursday, I go and take a look at some events that are happening, like in-person events that you can go and travel to, conventions, exhibits, uh, special shows that you might want to get out and about to. And then on Friday, I'm talking about staying in. So it's a little bit of gaming news and talking about the other podcasts that are on the Roddenberry Podcast Network and uh, that you may not have heard yet that you might want to stay in and listen to over the weekend. Right on. And if people want to find the show, please let them know where they can find it and uh, when the new episodes come out. Well, the name of the show is Daily Star Trek News, and that's where you'll find it everywhere. So there's a website called DailyStarTrekNews.com. That's got links to everything. But also iTunes and Google Play are probably the easiest place to find it, uh, you know, in your uh, podcast catchers. If you search for Daily Star Trek News, uh, you can go ahead and subscribe right there. And uh, every day of the week, what time does it come out? Uh, It'll be out before you wake up. (laughs) 
right. <laughs> it usually goes off at about it goes off at midnight uh, Pacific time, so it should be there uh, for your morning commute if that's what you so desire. Oh, and that's for sure. I, I sleep late, so uh... <laughs> yeah, midnight Pacific time is when I usually schedule it to go off. All right. So as promised, Rod wanted to turn the tables on us. And I was really pleased to do that. Um, I mean, you know, without further introduction, he, here he is, this Rod just grilling me and you for like an hour. It was brutal, right? <laughs> I still have scars. Hey, guys. Uh, John, Ken. Um Thank you for uh, uh, doing this special supplemental with me. I know it's kind of unusual. Um, this is one where, where uh, I, at least I'm going to take lead for the beginning, um, just because, you know, I, I want to take stock. It's, it's, it's been a while. Um, what, what has it been, guys? Six and a half years? Almost seven? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think so. It'll be seven. Yeah. seven uh, August will be seven when we launched. The first week of August of 2012 is actually when we uh, launched our first show, but we started working on it back in, I think, March of 2012. So, yeah, we've been yeah. working for over seven years now. For over seven years. Yeah. Wow, and, that's uh, right, because there was a lot of prep put into this. There was a lot of time. We did those two uh, initial shows yeah. for the original yeah. series, test shows, which turned out to be pretty damn good shows, I'd say. <laughs> um, and so how many episodes does that make it, guys? How many episodes? I mean, maybe not the exact number, but where are we? Uh, 300 oh. something, 311, I think. Yeah, 311, because uh, the yeah. last episode of Mission Log uh, was a combination of, I can't remember, it was 311 lyrics and some other lyrics. I can't remember which what that right. one was. And, and then 47 supplementals, and then 69 live shows. And, and by the way, you were just talking about how we started so early in 2012, and I think that somewhere there is still a list of our uh, possible titles for the podcast and, <laughs> really? uh, and some of those completely unrepeatable on air. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was kind of funny how we uh, came across the name. I think it just like it popped in one day and it was just one that at least to me, the minute I heard it, it stuck. I was like, Oh, that's it. That's, that's gotta be it. So, yeah. uh, and it, and it, and it has, I, I think uh, mission log no longer means the same thing in star Trek to me. It, it means this podcast, which is, it, it's really, you know, it says something about, um, well, at least how important this is to me. I can't speak for you guys. Um, so I, I just wanted to take a, a moment here and kind of go back in time a little bit and, and, um, I guess just take an accounting guys. I mean, so tell me again, what does it take to create an episode? Um, I, I people kind of heard this before, but not everyone has. And it's, I think it's an important part of, of, sort of the thought process I'm going with here. So so tell me what, what it takes. I know you guys do different things, so just jump in and, and tell me what you do. It, it really varies from show to show, and I think this is the this is the really difficult thing about talking about what we do and just talking about podcasting in general and then just doing critique or analysis in general. Like These are all these uh, sort of plates that, that keep, spinning in order to make this particular show. And I know that when we started, there were people who said, well, what you guys just need to do is just turn on the mics and then just go. You know, you've, you've watched the episode and then you just go and you talk and then you're done. Couldn't be easier. And, uh, and they're right. If all we did was we just watched the show and we turned on the mics and we started talking, yeah, that would be one kind of show. But, but I, at least the three of us, we didn't want that 
type of show. We wanted something that was a little bit different. We we kept saying, well, we're trying to do sort of the NPR version of a Star Trek podcast. We're going to do something that's produced, that has segments, that the audience can anticipate what's coming next. You know, oh, here's a section where you do trivia. Here's a section where you do the recap, you know. And it keeps us kind of disciplined in uh, in how we take our notes and how we approach each episode. So first and foremost, there's watching an episode over and over again. And sometimes they come really quickly. I can watch it a couple of times and go, oh, OK, I've got it. Sit down to take my notes. And then I'm kind of watching it that third time while I take my notes, stopping and starting. Other times, I swear, it's four or five times going through an episode because I feel like there are maybe plot points that I really need to revisit, really need to nail down. Um, and then after that, I, you know, it's one process to write the observation notes. It's another process to write the, uh, the discussion notes. Then uh, I'm going to do trivia. And then Ken and I really don't, we, we see each other's notes, but we don't read them we're not giving them a lot of attention until we actually get behind the mics to talk to each other because we want to keep it fresh and conversational and then what people don't hear except for the uh the patreon videos that we've posted of us actually doing the recording uh is all the false starts <laughs> and, and and i think we left in what some of the off-color jokes maybe ken you used to do something pretty cool i think uh, at the end of some of these episodes you'd, you'd play a little outtake which was kind of fun for you to add in at the end Oh, occasionally. I mean, if there's one that's worth doing. I mean, not every yeah. not everything that makes us laugh is going to make everybody laugh. But occasionally there's something that, you know, if I think it's, you know, if either if it adds to the discussion somehow, but in a completely ridiculous way, or if I think it's something that would make everybody laugh, then I'll go ahead and throw those in as well. But yeah, I, I think people out there know you guys well enough now that they're part of the family that I think just about anything, anytime you guys flub is great. Great listening. I love hearing it. Thanks. That's that's what my 25 years, that's what I've been aiming for. (laughs) Good. Yes. When he he messes up, that's my favorite part. Um, So so that's like pretty much what John just said is what we both do on a given week. I mean, honestly, the week that we don't write the recap is the easiest is the easier week, I think, because. I mean, that that really does, I mean, just lengthen the amount of time that you have to watch just for that one time. But then it's also just tough to like, it's like writing anything, even if you're not editing, even if you're not, you know, trying to make a statement. I mean, there are some parts of an episode that are important and some that aren't. And so deciding what goes in and what goes out, otherwise you're just doing a minute by minute recap. You might as well be remaking Psycho shot by shot for no good reason. <laughs> um, so... I mean, there's that part, but then there are things that we do separately. Uh, it's funny because people pretty much just address their email now to John. And that's that's sensible. That's very yeah, sensible yeah, because, right? you know, 99 times out of 100, he's going to be the one to respond. Uh, I can't speak to what he does with a lot of sort of the, uh, I don't know, ancillary is not the right word, the extra stuff. Um, I can talk about what I do as far as editing, which is I edit the show. Um, and that sounds, I, I don't know, I don't know exactly how to talk about that. I mean, generally speaking, the things that we say will go into the show. There have been, I think, two times where I heard something that I was pretty certain John had not meant to say it the way it came out. And I think I, I think I actually you know, w- went back to him. I believe I went back to him and said, hey, this sounds really bad. 
<laughs> I've, I've done that for myself as well. So it's not like yeah. I'm not picking on John. There are some times where we're done recording and I'm listening back and I'm like, well, I don't know if that's what I meant to say, but that's certainly not how I meant for it to sound. So that'll go there. That's pretty rare. Generally speaking, the conversation that we have is the conversation that goes out to people. Uh, it might just be tightened up a little bit. But that tightening up takes time. And then, of course, you got to wait for the computer to send in her lines, which Ugh. takes. I mean, sometimes she's like right on it. Sometimes she's yeah. Jenny on the spot with exactly what you need. And other times she sends them like an hour before the show is supposed to go out. And well, then I believe the, she's a close friend of Siri's. And, and, and from what I know of Siri, I mean, she, Siri's not very reliable. So by <laughs> by the fact that they kind of know each other, I would I would assume I, well, either I, one you can I, trust. I think if you ask Siri... She would say they're close friends. Ah. Mission Log Computer is nobody's friend, right? except yeah. for Mission Logs and the people who listen to Mission Log, and I guess occasionally John. So yeah, that's you know that's that's my part of it is, is basically taking all the audio and then going back in and uh, and turning it into a show, which um, I am not really conscious. I know I've timed it before, but I'm not really conscious of how long it takes because I love audio editing. It's time consuming. That's the one. That's the one issue that I have with it. But I love it. Well, and, and I'd say something that I've learned, um, and, and and to sort of sum up a little bit of what John was saying, uh, and what I well, what it took me, I guess, six years to learn. Um, you're right. There's all sorts of podcasts out there, and anyone, literally anyone, can create a podcast and upload it. Uh, it really just has to do with the the quality and the attention and the detail you put into it. And you both said it. There's podcasts that I listen to or that I've heard that are, you know, just two people who are just kind of uh, shooting the breeze about whatever the topic is. And there's a time and place for that, perhaps. Uh, that doesn't appeal to me. Um, that for, for my taste, you know, it, it works for some people. Um, but just two people casually talking about something kind of like we are right now. Um it it, uh, it can get a little long in the tooth for me. So I do appreciate shows that are tighter, uh, that are, I don't want to say scripted, but at least are coming from a script or coming from, from notes. And it's just a well-thought-out discussion. So that's, that's what I love about Mission Log. And I appreciate from you guys. Because um, it's, it's turned out, in my opinion, far better than anything I thought it could be. Um, but, and, and that's a great lead-in to my next question. Um, Aspects of the, I'm going to call it the job, uh, aspects of the job that you guys like. Well, what are some aspects of the job that you like? And then I actually want to hear like what over the last six and a half years, what, what do you not like? What doesn't work for you or what irks you? Hmm. <laughs> um, the like part honestly is the stuff that we don't get to do nearly enough. Although, um, well, I've gotten to do it more over the past year or so. It's spending time with people who listen. It's spending time with other Star Trek fans. When I first started this show, I, you know, it was Vegas once a year. And otherwise, it was just sort of like, okay, well, now go back and, and you know, the Star Trek part of your life is basically like this, this secret part of your life. Not a secret part. This is true of anybody who works from home, though. Which, I mean, Mission Log is not the only thing I do. I'm sure people listening know I also do a Mac podcast. And so, basically, everything that I do... I was doing from home. So every part of my life was like, you miss the water cooler. You, you miss sort of the, you know, we all got together in the break room and we did whatever. And so for me, one of the greatest things has been, you know, meeting all of these people sort of building this sort of, you know, like, you know, Star Trek 
network of, of friends and such. Um, other podcasters who, again, we don't get to see each other as much as I would like, but, but when you do, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty neat. Um, yeah, of course, getting to know you, getting to know John, I mean, getting to know you more, uh, cause we knew each other before this show, getting to know John because, because uh, I was a listener of your Mac podcast. Right. right, right. I love, that's how I found you. That's, I, I love that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, getting to explore, getting to explore this thing in a deeper way. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, it's not to knock shows where people do just open up the mic. Some of those are very entertaining. Some of those are great. You could argue, I think, that we kind of do that on Mission Log Live, but I mean, still with a clock. I mean, still with a, you know, we start at seven o'clock. Yeah, there's a there's an ad or, you know, an announcement of some sort at the bottom of the hour. Well, of course, there's the general news stuff that we do at the top of the hour. There's the ad or whatever at the bottom of the hour. There's the promo at 10 till, and then we're out in an hour. So even though we're only going to open up the microphone and go, we're also going to close the microphone and stop at a given time. Um, so it's not to knock that, but I mean, to be, to, to have this format in which to play and to sort of plumb the depths of a lot of Star Trek stuff has been great as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would kind of say the same thing, you know, the, the joy of doing mission log is doing mission log is having a conversation, uh, because, you know, Rod, I've said it before and it really is true. You know, thank you for putting us together because Ken and I were just relying on your good judgment to say, oh, this is the show that I want. And these are the people that I want to do it. And that could have been a disaster. <laughs> sure. you know? And that's truly the only thing about this show I can take credit for. Yeah, well, I, there's more to it than that. But but I mean, that that was the biggest part of it when it came together. Um, but because of that combination, now I've got a new friend, I got somebody I'd like to talk to, we make each other laugh. Uh, again, all the stuff that we get to cut out of the show that is just not fit for uh, human consumption <laughs> at all. Um but yeah, the joy of doing mission log is just getting behind the mic when we're ready to go. Um, but as Ken was saying, it's, you know, it's kind of this double edged sword. And I think I'll get into a little more of that in a minute where um, sitting behind a mic and having a conversation is one thing. But then knowing that there are people who will listen to that and want to be a part of that conversation and uh and genuinely have become friends uh over that time that's that's amazing that's incredible the other side of that is that people get really invested and um uh sometimes the emails or comments or tweets uh are not so kind and some of those probably even unintentional that they are not so kind um Ken, we were talking about kind of the division of labor and you're on the technical side and you're editing. And one of the things we decided early on was that uh, I'm going to be the guy who looks at the email and the comments and tweets and Facebook, et cetera. Yeah, and, you, you uh, probably thought you got off easy. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, look, here's the thing, you know, 99% of it is really positive. And uh, fortunately, uh, and to everyone within the sound of my voice, our audience is actually really amazing. We, we've not had to ban anyone. We, we've not had the kind of horror stories that you hear about uh, with people who do anything that is public uh, online. Mm -hmm. We really haven't at all. Um, but sometimes those conversations just go a direction you don't expect and need to be reined in a bit, like the fact that we took a break. So... <laughs> The thing that was sort of surprising to me, uh, I 
rarely ever, I, I would say almost never read the uh, reviews on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And Ken, I know that you do. Oh, not um, anymore. Not, not anymore. Okay. Um, but I, I had to go there not long ago because I was picking up the iTunes link for something. And and the way that Apple has redesigned that page uh, through the web interface is like, well, the, the reviews are just kind of front and center now. And uh, overall, very positive. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. But there are a couple of uh, uh, new reviews that just said like, well, it's just another one of those good podcasts that they abandoned. Hmm. And <laughs> I was like, and I was trying to think, um, okay, before we took the break, we, uh, we mentioned it on the show. Uh, we, we put it on Twitter. Uh, we put it on Facebook. Uh, we replied to comments and emails about that. Now, granted, we did not have a firm return date. Right. Um, but really, the only way we know how to get a message out to every single Mission Log listener is through Mission Log and through Mission Log social media. There's also Mission Log Live. I mean, for all the talk of the break, the break yeah. is only applied to Mission Log. I mean, we have. Right. I don't think we've actually missed a week of. Uh, we've both missed weeks, I think, but we haven't missed a week of Mission Log Live since. Uh, I, I can't remember since Christmas, I want to say, yeah, yeah, or since New Year's, actually. So, I mean, that's that's been going. So we've been around. We just haven't been doing the one thing. That's a weird thing about podcasts, though. I mean, they're so insular. Like I used to think about. Um, I, I had a friend who died. I had a friend who was a podcaster who died back in golly. When did he pass away? 2006. And he was one of the earliest podcasters out there. Um, guy named Bill Douthat. And the thing is, Bill just sat in his, you know, sat in his house and did his podcast and he's put his stuff out there. And, you know, nobody knew where he was. Nobody knew who he was exactly. He just did his thing. Right. And then one day he's just not doing his thing anymore. Um, used to be like if that happened at a radio station, everybody would say something. Or if they fired right. a DJ at a radio station, everybody would say, yeah, we don't talk about that guy anymore. Right. But I mean, there was a place where you turned where you knew there were other people and you could find out. I think I think that one of the great things about podcasting is it's so incredibly intimate. Right now, yeah. you're in somebody's ear, and I'm in somebody's ear, and we have been for the past six and a half years, and that's kind of amazing. That intimacy is a double, as you said earlier, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because all of a sudden, we're not there, and we don't know anything about the person who's not hearing us now, and they don't know anything about what happened to the voices they used to hear. And some people will you know, get sad and say, oh, gosh, I really missed this, and other people get pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. awesome, guys. That's a testament to the show. I'm not saying it's awesome that they're pissed. No, no, no. The fact that people get pissed that you guys are gone. I mean, not that we, we don't think we're not doing anything good, but I mean, that, that, that proves that this is a phenomenal show that means something to people. And I know you guys know this because you guys, you guys have read some of the comments in the past, but, uh, and I'm not saying we should do that more often. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just saying that that it's uh, it, it is. You just said it, it's a double edged sword. You know, I'm, I'm I'm very sad that that you know we we upset some people and stuff like that. But yeah. at the same time, guys, uh, maybe maybe I could have handled it differently, and maybe we could have scheduled it, and maybe we could have uh, uh, put some some deadlines down and, and let everyone know what's going on a little bit more clearly. But you guys have not had a vacation since we started. Well. 
uh, okay. I mean, yeah, yes and no, but 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 let, let's be fair. Mission Log has not had a vacation since we started. Now, Ken and I both like to travel, and we've taken time off, but we've also sort of you know recorded ahead a little bit, or uh, really you know jam packed a couple of back to back episodes when we could, uh, because you know we we go we go do things and we leave town. Um, I'm I'm leaving town uh, as of this recording in just a few days. What? We're going to be ahead enough. I know. Oh, surprise. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. Does that um, mean Mission Log's going to stop again for a while? No, that's no, why we're playing this no. on the on the day that we're playing it, because we, we're timing yeah. everything so that once we start Mission Log again, so uh, we So people out there, they'll never know the difference. We don't stop for the foreseeable future. Well, they will now because we just told them, but otherwise, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but I, yeah, it, it is cool to hear from people who, uh, you know, there are podcasts that I really liked that just sort of stopped. They, they just went away. And there, were, there was one, well, one in particular that I, I thought had a tremendous amount of momentum. It was a really well-produced show, very entertaining. And it just went away without warning. You can still go to their website. And I think the last episode was from like two years ago. Uh, but there's no update, no information about that at all. There was another show that I really liked that they knew they were winding up and, and they announced for weeks and weeks and weeks ahead we're coming up on our last episode coming up on our last this will be it this will be the final but as we know mission log is kind of a weird beast where uh the mission is that the show regardless of who's hosting it the show will cover every episode of star trek ever and if cbs keeps going at the rate they're going there's no end in sight you know uh which is great for star trek um and then uh, an interesting challenge uh, for for us. Be honest. It remains to be seen whether it's great for Star Trek, doesn't it? I mean, you got to wait. I mean, yeah. they're doing like five or six different shows in the next year. I mean, yeah. I think we'll yeah. have to we have to reserve judgment on whether it's great for Star Trek. But we'll get to right. it in about, you know, 2057. Sure. Sure. Uh, but every show has a hiatus. And, and that's something that that, listen, we'll, we'll have more internal discussions about. But I think whether it's between seasons, whatever it is. And however long it is, whether it's two weeks, a month, whatever, I, I, I do think it's important. Even though you guys say that you get your time off, and sure, maybe you skip a week because you recorded early and you actually get that week off, and that's great. It, it, it might be important to to discuss the idea of every season taking two weeks or a month off to regroup, give you time, strategize on the next season, and kind of just look ahead. But we can we can talk about that more internally later. Um, but I'm just kind of letting everyone know out there that that the, they're they're, they're we're thinking about things. This is constantly evolving, uh, and and mistakes are made on my end as well. Uh, plenty of plenty on my end, um, and uh, I got to learn from those. So so yeah. So, um, but I'm I'm not done asking you guys some questions. Um, I've got some good ones here, at least ones that I'm curious about. Uh, I I want to know if you guys have, and this is very fanboyish of me. Do you guys like have a favorite mission log episode? Not Star Trek episode. But mm. there was that episode where we discussed so-and-so. It was an awesome discussion. And also, I, I want to know the, the other one, least favorite. Hmm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw it at... <laughs> oh, I'm going to throw it at Ken first because he laughed. Uh, okay. uh, favorite episode uh, of Mission Log. See, I mean, there are probably a couple of uh, there are probably a couple of answers for a couple of different reasons. Um, Corbin might maneuver, of course, is one of our favorite TOS episodes, and it was also a favorite episode of mine, just because of the whole hierarchical pyramid thing that we talked about. 
that we sort of assumed they based it on, and it turns out they hadn't. So that's probably the episode where it uh, like was the most kind of aha moment was this show that we had seen before, but suddenly I think I was drifting off to sleep and had this like, you know, different way of looking at it idea. So that was fun. Um, I like anything that I can do sort of fun production stuff with. So like the day, the, the time that we did the, um, the, the Max Headroom filter, John, do you remember? Oh yeah. Oh, that yeah. was awesome. The one with yeah. Rasmussen. That was a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, again, it goes back to another favorite episode, uh, uh, Times Squared. We actually had a guy write in and say that uh, uh, my take on Times Squared had helped him overcome addiction issues, a particular addiction issue, which is which is nuts. You don't I mean, you don't expect to get that kind of email. So, I mean, honestly, with with the exception of okay fun production stuff um the ones that you find out you know resonated in some way or i mean like in a in a big way cuz that's that's that that could easily be the most important thing i've ever done and it was an accident i didn't mean to you know i was just talking about what that episode meant for me and then you know there was another guy who heard what that episode meant for me and suddenly that episode meant that for him too and and that's 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 probably my favorite. And then my least favorite is the Maquis. <laughs> Part one and two. So there you go. That's, uh, and I won't say why, but that's uh, because I because I think you heard me lose my mind in that episode. And then uh, and then a bunch of people were like, wow, this guy's lost his mind. Let me tell you why I think so in detail. So, <laughs> hey, but fortunately, you, you only read a, a handful of those. <laughs> that's so, true. Yeah, that's true. I'm curious to hear John's answer. So, uh, favorites, uh, and this is a, a shot again, it is different reasons for picking some of these as favorites. You know, it's very hard to, to pick a single one, but I'm sure that if I looked at the whole list, I could probably narrow it down. Um, the outcast, uh, mm. because Ken, I really respected your passion in the answer that you landed on because we both watched that episode with kind of the the same understanding and and coming from the same place you know we're two people who are very much pro-gay rights we we can't necessarily identify in that position because we're not people who have been discriminated against because of our sexualities but it's just right there on screen and you see what they're trying to accomplish uh maybe in uh, uh, I, I'm not going to say short-sighted, but but in a way with, that they felt like they couldn't go far enough in that episode. They couldn't quite get everything out that they wanted to, but uh, they definitely got an A for effort. So in that episode, in that discussion, we're, we keep landing on the same points, which is, yeah, Star Trek is trying to make a statement about gay rights. And 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 not just about gay rights, but about sexual rights, human rights, um, et cetera, et cetera. But then we landed at this place, Ken, that, I, that still resonates with me, where you said, I'm angry that this episode is still relevant. And and I really like that. And that has always stuck with me. Um, I'll pick another one for an interesting reason. Tapestries. So can you remind me what was Tapestries? Sure. So Picard sort of relives his life because of Q and these things that he sees as mistakes 
Um, he, he sort of sees what his life would be if he had, uh, had taken a different route, not getting stabbed in the heart. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a wonderful life, but told with Picard. <laughs> and, um, but the thing is, I, I don't think that is necessarily the greatest Star Trek episode in the world, but as a podcast, that stands out to me because Ken and I, at the time of that recording, we were both going through some stuff. Ken a little before I did. And I just remember recording that episode. And I, I haven't listened to it since then, since we recorded it. Because I don't know if either either of us, uh, our voices betrayed what was actually going on in our heads. Yeah. <laughs> because it was, it was intense. It, it was some intensely emotional stuff. Um, I'll also give a uh, special shout out to Star Trek, the motion picture, uh, because I love that movie, it, fully realizing that it isn't the greatest movie ever made. But I feel like we we gave it its due and we, we talked about what made it great and also what made it not so great. And we had fun with it. And as a follow up to that, I it might have been that same year that we were doing Vegas and on our panel, somebody asked Gosh, I can't even remember what the question was. It was a teacher asking something about lessons in Star Trek. And I will fully admit that my best material comes to me usually between two hours and 48 hours after we are finished recording. <laughs> that's, that's when I'm inspired. But at, at that moment, we were on stage and the question was just right. And whatever it was about Spock or about the, the big picture of Star Trek was on my mind. And I gave her an answer that I was very proud of at the time about Spock being the the emotional and philosophical heart of Star Trek and his journey sort of uh, revealing something about humanity and blah, blah, blah. And if you want to hear it, go back and listen to it. I think it's probably Vegas 2016, something like that. Um, but that that one stands out to me as one of my favorite moments. Um and now you got to give us you got to give us a bad one then. I mean, you know that this is a favorite mission log episode and a least favorite. Was there an episode <laughs> that just you didn't oh. get to say what you wanted to say or it pissed you off? Or what? Tell me. Yeah, man, that's oh, that that's really tough. I, I think back about I, honestly some of the episodes where I feel like I might have pulled my punches. And I, I never want to do that, but, but it, it's a constant battle between, okay, let's make something that is listenable, meaning it, it's not ranty, it's not pedantic, it's not confrontational, but it is thoughtful. And, and we're trying to do in Mission Log what Star Trek did, which is present a, 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 a tough issue but make people listen and consider that tough issue. So I think about episodes that really mean something to me, like uh, who watches the watchers. And I, I don't know if I feel like I went far enough in my passion for that episode and, and defending and discussing the values that are important to me. You know, th this is tough. And we, we've had this conversation like, Mission Log is me and Ken, but it's also the ideas that the three of us talk about and resonate with the three of us. And it's not news. It's not objective. It's not journalism. It's discussion and analysis. And that discussion and analysis 
comes from us. It comes from where our hearts are about the topics that we're presented with, you know. But at the same time, I, I think we both feel, the three of us feel, like this isn't a platform to just push what we think all the time. And, you know, I, I, I go back and forth on that because we get email. We get email from people saying, yes, don't hold back. Do this. Say it like it is. Say it like you mean it. And then we get other emails from people who I feel like, man, if we're just making other people turn away because they don't want to hear it. Well, have we failed at our mission of getting the ideas in front of someone? You, you make an excellent point. I mean, this is this is uh, uh, something that, that I've struggled with, too, just in, in many ways. Um, just the idea of Star Trek alone. What is Star Trek? Uh, is, is Star Trek what I think it is? You know, I, I sure, my name's Eugene Roddenberry. I'm not Gene Roddenberry, but I definitely am a Roddenberry, and I, and I know a little bit about that. Um, is there one kind of Star Trek? Is, is my vision of Star Trek the right one? Of course, I know that there is no right one. There's a right one for me. Um, but is Star Trek much broader? You know, uh, my, my father has said in the past, you know, he doesn't make Star Trek for the fans. He makes Star Trek for him. Do we make Mission Log for the fans or do we make Mission Log for us? Well, so but, but think of it this way. So let's take kind of a, a liberal interpretation of that idea that, that your father put out there. All right. He's making it for himself, meaning he, he wants to tell stories with integrity. He wants to get across the ideas that he wants to get across. And I feel like we definitely try to do that on Mission Log. But at the same time, your father created a popular science fiction show. He didn't create, you know, Crossfire. It wasn't, it wasn't a news analysis show to cram an idea down somebody's throat. Now, Star Trek very much ha has a point of view. There's, uh, there, there are definitely episodes that are advocacy pieces for a point of view. And, and people may shy away from that or disagree with that when they get to those particular episodes. But he knew that if he was going to tell those stories, he wanted to tell them in ways that could get and hold people's attention, as opposed to turning on the news or turning on a commentary show and just have somebody yell at you, berate you, preach at you with the message that they're trying to convince you of. So objectivity, I mean, is that, would you say that, that, that you guys do this with objectivity? I mean, there's, how much is objectivity and how much is your point of view? I imagine it's all your point of view, but... I, I think we try to be objective in the part of Mission Log that is analysis, where, where we're saying, okay, what, what do we think they were trying to do? What were the conditions around that? Um, and just sort of the, the, the analytical part of it. We're trying to be objective with that. But the discussion... That's just me and Ken, you know, and, and we, we try to couch it in those terms. We try to say, hey, look, the, these are our ideas. This is how I feel about this. I think people get it for sure after seven years. Uh, but I, I do think that every now and then we get those emails from people saying like, well, what you need is you need to have uh, somebody presenting this point of view. Well, well, no, we don't, because that's not mission log. Um, if you specifically want a show 
that speaks to your specific point of view, please go find or make that show. And I'm not saying that flippantly or angrily or whatever, but but there, there's a lot of room for a lot of voices out there. And, and then come back and pitch it because, you know, there may be room for it on the network. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Depending on what for it sure. is. I mean, we're not. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I, I have a hard time with. Honestly, I have a little bit of a hard time with what John just said. I mean, I there's not a bone in my body that can be objective because I because my body is me. I mean, I'm this guy, right? I can try to be as objective as I can try to be, but everything that's gone into my life has led me to this point right here. And so that's going to be my frame of reference. Now, somewhere along the way, my frame of reference said, hey, you know what? I don't hate other people with different skin color. You know what I don't think is worse than me? A woman. I mean, there are all kinds of things that like that have that have come to this moment, but I still come to it with, you know, my frames of reference. We have a we have a wonderful listener who writes to us um, um, uh, quite a bit from another part of the world. And her take on politics and my take on politics are extremely different. I can tell. And we've never talked about it. And I think part of that is because we've never really talked about it. She's very insightful about a lot of Star Trek stuff. And there are lots of things that she definitely hits on with both me and John. But then there's this like, there's this wild schism, schism between the two of us. I know there's a wild schism between, you know, the three of us or, or at least between the two of us. But, you know. She grew up where she grew up in the situation that she grew up in and has a very different, uh, d- a definite idea about how uh, some things in the world should be. And she's, as far as she's concerned, not wrong, right? Same, same goes here. Same goes for John. Same goes for you. So, yeah. I mean, trying to be objective, yes, but I don't think I could ever really claim objectivity because... Because I, 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 you know, grew up a white guy in the U.S. I grew up, you know, I grew up doing, doing pretty well, even if there were times that I, that we didn't have money, even if there were times where there were concerns in my household, whether or not we were going to be able to make some bill, still doing better than 90% of the planet, probably. So, I mean, how do you say, how do you say we're objective? I mean, I you, you, well, no, but I, 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 I don't think that you and I are personally objective about Star Trek, but I think that what we do is when we start to watch an episode, when we start to pick it apart, at least I do. Look, if if the writer of the show is coming from a particular point of view or if uh, the world politics or, or whatever was influencing that point of view, I want to try to analyze and figure that out mm. in, in as objective a way possible, mm-hmm. Ju- just to get the bare bones of what we're going to talk about. And I also look when it's merited, I also want to throw in that opposing point of view. If, if there are opposing point of view, look, sometimes there's just not. Um, but when we land at an analysis uh, or when we land at a discussion where, um, maybe Star Trek is advocating for a position that we're not 100% on board with. I want to be able to objectively say, this is where that episode is coming from. And by the way, I completely disagree with it. Can I ask a question? Do you do you wish that there was still somebody, I mean, not and, and not to be maudlin or not to be Great Bird of the Galaxy, but do you wish there was still somebody like Gene Roddenberry? Because, because the thing is, the one thing I think you could say on Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek is there was no room for, well, now, hold on a minute. What about this? 
Do you know what I mean? I mean, he he was coming from a place of yeah. Well, it's, let's be done with the religion thing. Let's be done with the racism thing. Uh, let let's let's be done with the post. I mean, with the scarcity thing. Let's be done with the money thing, right? And then when it goes out of his hand, somebody's like, oh, but what if but what if there were problems with money? And what if there were religious wars? Oh, and what if there was still racism? And what if there was still like, you know, you, you, it's hard scrabble? I mean, do you wish do you, do you kind of wish that there was somebody going? No, no, no. We're not talking about that. You want to talk about that? There are any number of other shows you can talk about. There are any number of other books and comic books and you name it that we can talk about. What we're talking about is is uh, is is. And then this happened after we solved all those problems. Yeah, not necessarily, though, because, I mean, uh, look, more, way more Star Trek has been produced without Gene Roddenberry than produced with Gene Roddenberry. And even the Star Trek that was produced while Gene was alive, um, that, that he had his hands in, mm-hmm. still inconsistent. Still imperfect. Sure. Um, you, you know, so. Oh, that gave us Wolf uh, in the Fold, please. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not, it wasn't all perfect. I understand that. But, yeah. but there wasn't, there wasn't, I mean, well, I mean, you've answered the question, I think. I mean, my question is, do you wish there was somebody that was still sort of, you know, pointing towards the North Star, which doesn't feel well, like we're I, quite doing as much anymore? Every show, and, and I think you can only speak to it with a series, like every show needs a vision it needs a showrunner it needs somebody to be the goalie to say here's what will fly here and here's what won't but at the same time star trek is a different animal because it's not just one thing it's not just kirk spock and mccoy it's not just the spin-off series from the 90s it, it is it, it's not even just entertainment anymore star trek is picking up a newspaper and somebody quoting misquoting beam me up scotty and everybody knows what that is, even if they've never seen Star Trek. So that's kind of the, the blessing and the curse rod of, of what your father did, which is to say that you can create this piece of art, but once you get it out there, it's no longer yours. You know, it, it, it's up to everybody else to sort of uh, uh, interpret, analyze, discuss, figure it out. And, and even if you're the guy with the vision behind it, um, I know for a fact that in the archive, there's hate mail to Star Trek from 1967 about how they're ruining Star Trek. You know, <laughs> so so the, the vision is great. It's important. I, I think just from a, a logistical production point of view, you've got to have somebody who can kind of tie it all together. And Rod, I'm sure you can tell us all the inside stories about how that goes in modern production. Um, but but uh, I, 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 I'm not convinced that just one single idea is what's necessary to guide 750 plus hours of what we call Star Trek. And then even going beyond that, there there are books and there's games and there's all this other stuff that is sort of under the umbrella Star Trek that is no longer just a TV show or movie series. But but on top of your argument, which I, I don't I don't know I don't think we have time to get into is is then how far do you go if the pendulum swings? How far does it swing? So, yeah. so what, what I'm going to say for me is, you know, what is Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek? And then there's all the other Star Trek. And then I'll have my own definition on what's what. Um, and mm-hmm. if I ever do a show that I'm on, I will m- most assuredly share with you what I believe uh, Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek is and what it is not. Um, so, so, yeah, you know, I, I love you guys. I've said this to you 
certainly not too many times, but I'm huge fans of your perspectives. I've learned so much about Star Trek just listening to the shows, just listening to you guys, new perspectives all the time. And that's constantly happening. You know, even now with the new shows that are coming out, I struggle with my own internal demons in terms of, of what Star Trek is and isn't. And, and what is Gene Roddenberry and what is a better future and what is an, an optimistic view of the future. And so, and it's great because well, well, I'm certainly not a scholar. I do my best to listen to so many different points of view, and it does get confusing sometimes and hard to stay on track. But I have been just just the other night when we saw what we left behind that documentary on Deep Space Nine. You know, I was a little bit set in my ways, having only really watched the first two seasons of Deep Space Nine. And of course, people had said, you know, just wait, it gets better. You know, um, you know, ha- having watched that and having talked to people and listened to people. I have a renewed interest in continuing the series. Not that I wasn't going to, but I'm, I'm now more excited because I see the passion. I see the excitement. While I'm not 100% on board with the idea that everything is Star Trek, um, I am I'm more willing to have a broader, uh, receptive point of view on this. And I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to absorb the family values that are sort of intertwined through the series. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's an ongoing learning experience. Uh, but that's, that's the best thing I can say about it. Well, well, thanks for that. And, uh, you, you're not so bad. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously we've had Rod on the show before, but we've never had him as part of our ads before, but this is a good ad to have Rod on. And I'll tell you why. A lot of people don't know this. Rod's dad invented Star Trek. Wait, what? I know, right? And now Eagle Moss has all of these Star Trek ships. And we've talked about, you know, my favorite ship. It's the Reliant. I'm trying to remember yours is the refit of the Enterprise, right? Yeah. Oh, I listen. I know. (laughs) I don't remember ever asking Rod, though, what his favorite Star Trek starship is. Yeah, you know, I wish I had a really creative answer. I'm 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 a 1701D fan. I Interesting. Just, I, I am, and, and it's not just the exterior; it's the interior. It's the fact that it's a, a comfortable ship that that people can really live on, and it's not like a a, a, a war machine, and it's not cold, and it's not uh, I don't know like a tin can on the inside. So I, I've got to say, 1701D all the way. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, You can actually get a 1701D of your own from uh, Eagle Moss. It's part of the official Star Trek starships that Eagle Moss has to offer. I can? Would you like one? We can hook you up. (laughs) I would love one. I, 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 I do need one. I actually do not have a single ship. Well, that that seems a little ridiculous. Well, well, here's the deal, Rod. In case you didn't know, uh, Eagle Moss they have the uh, the collection of smaller starships, the five to six inch starships. They have the larger uh, Discovery collection, and then the even larger XL editions. So, uh, whichever size fits you, you could get that starship, and you don't just have to have the subscription. You could get the individual ship that you want for yourself or as a fine gift, say for a couple of podcasters who work for you now here's what's really cool also uh you can get them at a discount and so can everybody else listening by the way this is not an ad specific to rod uh the eagle moss shop is open and ready to do business and listeners of mission log can enjoy an extra 10 percent off select models you go to shop.eaglemoss.com slash usa slash mission log take a look at the variety of ships waiting for you it's kind of hard to come by but i will bet there is even a 1701 day 
Yeah, I think you could find one in there. But you know that I, I like the weird ships, the ones that don't get all the airplay. So I'm really excited that the uh, the Phase 2 concept Enterprise is in there. It's that in-between from TOS to TMP. And you see design elements of both. They even have the USS Titan. And you might be saying to yourself, but wait, I've never seen the USS Titan. Well, yes, Eagle Moss created the USS Titan uh, based on that ship that Captain Riker has going forward in the novel. So take a look around in the website and you will find, I'm certain, more than one ship that you will absolutely need to take home. These are officially authorized by CBS Studios. Each and every model is die-cast. They're hand-painted, and they come with a display stand, plus an in-depth magazine featuring exclusive artwork and highlighting the ship's history, its design, and its place in the Star Trek universe. Hey, John and Ken, I have a question. Yeah. Do they have such unique, cool ships like the Enterprise uh, J from, I believe it was, was that Voyager? No, oh, well, you're referring to the Enterprise J from Enterprise, and and yes, Eagle Moss does make that model. So uh, if you wanted to see it in all its spindly glory, then uh, then Eagle Moss is for you. Hey, to order, go to shop.eaglemoss.com slash USA slash mission log and enter promo code mission log, all one word at checkout, to receive an extra 10% off your order. That is promo code mission log at shop.eaglemoss.com slash USA slash mission log. And a big thanks to Eagle Moss for sponsoring this week's show. So, so we, we hit a little bit of this. Ken, you mentioned, um, I, I, I don't want to go through all of my notes here, but I, I really do want to ask you, Ken, you said you had a really good fan experience, a fan email that really touched you. Um, John, did, is there, is there one that you can think of? You had that experience at the convention where a teacher asked you something. Is, is that what you make that your sort of top fan engagement experience? Well, I, I mean, no, there was nothing really like emotional about that. It, it was just, it, it was kind of a back and forth of ideas that really sparked something in me, which was cool. Look, I, I just love the fact that, you know, every time we go to Vegas, it, it really is visiting friends. And some of those are friends who have been with us from the beginning. And some of those are brand new friends who have maybe just heard of the show, but have made the trip to come out and say hi and chat with us and chat at the table and go have a drink. Uh, That is remarkable to me. You know, I've always said that as somebody who never officially worked on Star Trek, but through the podcast and in other ways have kind of tangentially been in the Star Trek world. Um, I was never the the writer or producer or actor or whatever who got the, the piece of mail saying, here's how this show changed my life. Now, Rod, you very uniquely, you said that 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 happened to you since you were a kid before you really understood what Star Trek was, as people saying your father's show changed my life. And you had to figure out what that meant and and why. So just doing a podcast that people hear the where we are grappling with ideas to get an email from somebody who hears one of those shows and say, wow, you really changed my perspective or you gave me something new to think about. Or I've watched that show 10 times and never thought about what you guys put together. That is so immensely meaningful to me because as Ken has stated here, podcasting is a very isolating thing. I'm in a room right now. I can't see you guys. I'm behind a mic. That's it. 
that this conversation to me ceases to exist when we're done. But people will hear an idea and get excited about that and and write in and share something that is personal. And that that's uh, just remarkable to me. You know, I when I mentioned the outcast a little while ago, uh, that and there was another episode. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, but the outcast, somebody wrote in just saying, you know, here's my experience growing up different. And I know that you guys can't personally personally relate to that, but you really nailed something here. You, you really got the idea here. And that that uh, that means everything. So, so listen, you, you, you touched on something with the fans there, or with the concept of fans, and, and just relating to our whole discussion here, um, two, two questions again. How, how do you guys think you should treat the fans? And more importantly, well, at least to me right now, how do you think the fans should treat you? <laughs> well, we are fans. Well, and I mean the fans of our show, the fans of Star Trek, um... You, you guys have talked a lot about, I, I'd say, your respect for the fans and the reasons you do the shows. I'm kind of curious, how do you want to be treated? Do you care that they come out you with hostility and frustration and anger? Or do you, do you, I mean, I'm sure that bothers you, but is it something, does it roll off your chest? You kind of said something about ignoring things. What, what is the best way to get your ear? What's the best way to put it? I don't think I would ever say somebody is stupid for thinking something, right? And and that's really, I mean, I think the best that we can all hope for is just to, you know, to treat each other respectfully. It's it's the phrase that I've used before. Um, we can disagree without being disagreeable. And sometimes we can't, and that's fine, too. If we can all come back together later and go, yeah, my bad. I mean, if it becomes personal. Like, like I, I still hate the episode The Maquis. And and I always will. And and if that really offends you so much that you want to send me an insulting email, all right, probably you and I aren't going to end up being friends. But you know, otherwise, I don't know if we can if we can. But you're saying people can disagree. People can send you a well thought out sort of critical feedback on something. Sure. Hey, I yeah, disagree. Absolutely. And you're receptive to getting that sort of critical feedback. It's just the ones that are more hostile. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the answer to the question. I mean, if it's, I'm not doing any, like, like if I have a negative reaction to something that we talk about, I'm not having that negative reaction to insult you. I'm not coming to you, listener number X, Y, Z. Those aren't numbers, by the way, nor do we number our <laughs> listeners. But I'm not coming to you, individual listener, and saying you're stupid and here's why. I'm saying this does not resonate with me for these reasons. And then, you know, occasionally, occasionally somebody will come back and, and they will be insulting. And, you know, I mean, that's that's because, you know, John Champion's name is John Champion and Ken Ray's name is Ken Ray. And we're here to be talked to. And if if in a fit of peak, somebody writes and says, you know, Ken Ray's an idiot or says you're an idiot <laughs> or whatever. Um, that's not something that, you know. I don't want to say that's not something that we get to do because it's something that I would hope I wouldn't actually want to do. But I mean, in that respect, the stream only runs one way. I mean, a lot of what we do is about conversation. Occasionally it can just be, we've got one star reviews because of something I said before. Okay. That's kind of annoying because I can't give you a one star review wherever you work. But then, <laughs> but then what I hope is that I still wouldn't, even if I could. 
Although, if you want to, you know, tell me where you work when you leave a one-star review, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I said something on uh, the Trek Files the other day when we were discussing uh, an angry fan letter to Paramount. And and I, I said that there's this perception of like the, the the studio has agency and and intention behind what they're doing. Okay, so your your show got taken off the air. Well, that wasn't a person who decided I'm going to piss off this viewer in Ohio. You know, it, it's the things happen, and many people not necessarily many, for the right reasons, though. No, they, absolutely, but they still absolutely. happen. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then people have emotional reactions to that. And like we said at the beginning of this, it's very flattering that people uh, seem to enjoy what we do on Mission Log. And I, I take that with a bit of flattery that somebody gets very upset that we didn't respond in exactly the way that they would have wanted us to about this one particular, whether it's a topic or our break or, or whatever. Uh, but I hope that people understand that there isn't uh, intention or motivation behind that uh to um, are you kidding me i'm just here to piss off the listeners that's all well you are you are but that's why you're not on the air um <laughs> so yeah you know uh, what, what we do takes a tremendous amount of work and it's not just the physical talking behind a mic and then editing it it's time and we all do other things and sometimes ken and i are recording until midnight and then ken will be editing until two o'clock in the morning and you know that's uh it's draining um but we're doing all of that because we hope that we're putting out the best show that we can the show that we like and we want to listen to yeah well, I'm, I'm, again, I, I'm, I love what you guys do. Even, listen, listeners out there, I even disagree with what these guys say sometimes. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know what they're watching, and I don't know why they're saying what they're saying, and I think they're wrong. But I still appreciate a majority of what they say and, and uh, happen to agree <laughs> with a good chunk of it as well. Um, you know, I, I, there's, there's a, we can keep going on with a lot of these things. But I, I guess when it comes back to Mission Log... Uh, I, I kind of want to know what your hopes are for the future for Mission Log. Meaning, we are, well, we're, no, we're not even, like you said it, there's so much more Star Trek coming out. We're not halfway through, but we've gotten through a huge chunk. And you guys have lived, breathed, and eaten Star Trek uh, and Mission Log for the past six and a half years. What, do you, what are you hoping for the next, let's just call it, let's just for the sake of, of uh, symmetry, the next six and a half years? I think something that is incredibly cool is that you said from the beginning that you wanted Mission Log to be an evergreen show, that we could talk about broad topics and be specific when we needed to, but we didn't want to make it timely, um, that would exist on the virtual shelf alongside Star Trek itself and become a reference for how to analyze and discuss those episodes. And I thought you were crazy. Um, and then we started to hear from people who started to talk about mission log in those terms and say, mission log is a part of Star Trek for me. And I, I can't think of a better thing to happen to the show than that. So as far as reaching that major goal, um, just hearing that from the, the handful of places that I have, it is so gratifying and so motivating to keep doing it. Um, 
Now, that said, I hope that we can just do more Mission Log and expand Mission Log and the Roddenberry Podcast Network the way that we have. Doing the live show is awesome. And I hope that everybody in the sound of my voice who has not been listening to or watching the live show, please do. A, uh, it is up to date. <laughs> so if you're wondering what we're up to, well, we're right there Tuesday nights. Um, but B, it's a place to have a different kind of conversation. Um, and just like Mission Log, it's free. So uh, go look for Mission Log Live or go to our Facebook page and get that. But doing stuff like that where we get to sort of break out a little bit and do convention appearances and um, uh, have have deeper topical conversations, that that's what it's all about for me. Because it is a bit of a grind just doing episode to episode. We do things and then you forget because you're on to the next one, you're on to the next one, you're on to the next one. But any opportunity to, to do a topical deep dive, I'm really excited about. Yeah, for me, honestly, it's, I mean, my hope for Mission Log is that it, you know, continues to be what it is so that we can do more stuff, as John just said as well. I mean, the episodes that resonate with me are the hopeful episodes. And if we end, you know, if we end up in six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks of war and backbiting and, you know, secret police and all sorts of things, it would be great to be able to say, but then I've got this, you know, other show that we're also doing that is, that is elevating the conversation that is, you know, bringing new ideas. Won't all be Star Trek stuff. We've, we've had a number of ideas that we've been kicking around for quite a while for this would be an interesting show to do. This would be an interesting show to do. I mean, honestly, what I'm most interested in is keep doing mission log so that we can uh, keep expanding out, which we've had happen. I mean, we started with one show and then we added priority one women at warp, brought them into the fold, which was, you know, those were wonderful additions. Uh, then we did mission log live track files got developed in house. Uh, we now I get the we have the good fortune of being associated with the daily Star Trek news show. I mean, all of those things are interesting things, but hopefully what they will do is they will come back and they will feed the machine so that we can grow something, you know, bigger and better and more sustainable and and more honestly more uplifting. That's that's the that's my hope that what we have right now can be turned into what we have right now is fertilizer that can hopefully grow something verdant and wonderful or, or, you know, uh, fertilizer sounds terrible, <laughs> miracle grow. What we have now is there miracle grow that will hopefully, uh, you know, yield something, uh, yield something that will be both fruitful and multiplicitous. I don't know if that's Wait. a word. Hey, hey, I don't want to change topics and Rod, I know you have. No, 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 but I've, I've, I've got a sidebar here. I, I really have to ask this just because it, it goes right with what Ken just said. Ken, we've discussed this. Well, we've all three discussed this and I, and I do think it's important to, well, I want, I want everyone out there to hear it. You know, I do not disagree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm more on your side so far with Deep Space Nine and my, my views of what Star Trek should be. Um, for me, uh, I love the optimism. I want a show where, where people will come to us and come to me and come to everyone who's worked on it and said, this inspired me. I am now seeing life in a better way because of this episode or this scene or whatever. Um, because we are not, Deep Space Nine is not currently resonating as much in that area for us. We had the discussion. Well, you know, uh, can, do you, do you, 
put all of those feelings of yours, those those disagreements as to whether it's Star Trek, do you put those away and put them in, in your back pocket and just start changing your perspective on how you watch Deep Space Nine and start watching it for a, as, as is it a good sci-fi show or is it a good show? And, and no longer share sort of the honest gut reactions you have? Or, or is it important that, uh, that you keep doing it? And can you keep doing it? That's uh, that's such a weird question to ask right I now. I don't have to do this, Ken. I, can, I get one supplemental, and I can say it right there, and people can hate me and send me hate mail, and that's fine, but I don't have to do it every week. You do. Well, I don't... I, there are things that I read recently. Uh, there was an io9 article. I, I don't know. I mean, what what question are we trying to answer at this point? That's really the question that I have, because when you put us together, you said you wanted us to watch, you know, all of the different things of Star Trek and see if they actually, you know, were uh, sort of in the Roddenberry vision. You've got the guys who created Deep Space Nine. There was an io9 article. I don't know if John's going to link to it or not, where one of them says that Roddenberry's vision was gobbledygook and another one said Utopia doesn't work. So now ask me whether DS9 is Star Trek. I don't know how to answer that question because there are lots of people who will say it's the most Star Trek Star Trek that there ever was. And yet you'll have the creators saying, yeah, but the guy who made up Star Trek, you know, his ideas. Yeah. So I don't know how to answer your question. I mean, it's look, Deep Space Nine is not a bad show. It's it's an interesting show. It's the acting sometimes is absolutely incredible. And they're doing some really interesting things and i know there are things coming up that are actually important things are they star trek things that's yeah, let, let that's me, a let question me, let, that's let a me question curtail that, it a bit for you then then um are you going to curtail your responses well i mean are we are we asking the same question at this point if the question is is it star trek i mean there are going to be some times where it's going to feel very much like star trek there are going to be other times where it's not going to feel so much like it so am i gonna am i gonna am i gonna curtail that I said uh, on stage in Vegas a couple of years ago that I may have to change the way I watch Deep Space Nine. And the problem is, I don't know how to change the way I watch Deep Space Nine because the way I watch Star Trek is the way I watch everything. The weird thing to me is Deep Space Nine uh, takes a hard... I was going to say a hard left. I was going to say a hard right. Let's say it takes a sharp turn. Deep Space Nine takes a sharp turn from every other thing that we have watched before. And so you can't just sort of like... I don't think you can just sort of like switch the way you watch it, especially where our mandate was watch it and see if it's Star Trek. So I, you know, I, am I going to change the way I watch it? Not intentionally, but I may have to if I'm going to keep watching it, because otherwise it's just the old man every week going, bah, nah, this isn't Star Trek. What Star Trek was, was this thing, you know? So I don't know. I don't really know how to answer your question. Uh, I guess we'll find out as we continue watching Deep Space Nine. That was a good uh, old man voice. Thank you. Thank that, you very that much. That character it's, should come back on uh, Mission Log frequently. <laughs> it's pretty much just my voice when I'm not on Mission Log. So. I, yeah. I, I want to respond to that, though. I, I want to ask you guys both a favor. Um, you know, we, we started Mission Log six and a half years ago, and we were all excited of this idea of watching all the series all the way through and doing it with the same sort of eye, the same perspective, the same sort of questioning. Um I don't think it's right that we change the way we watch it now. I, I hear your points, Ken, and, 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 and we'll, we'll all keep our, our dialogue going as we have been throughout the years. Um, but, but I ask you guys to still look at it the same way that you always have, 
to, to not change your perspectives, to not hold your responses. Um, you know, it might get a little bit tougher. Uh, but I, I do think that, that there is sort of a, a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I do think there are different ways that you can look at the different shows. But first and foremost, I think it's important that we continue to watch all these episodes with the same perspective that we've had on, on all the ones before. Um, and if, if there's anyone out there who, assuming you guys continue with your, your I think, very appropriate level-headed sort of criticisms and responses and analyses of, of the shows, uh, if there's people out there who are unwilling to, to hear those from you guys when you disagree with something, then no disrespect to them, but they, they can go watch another show or they can go listen to another show. Um, you guys have created something really spectacular. I know a majority of people know that already. Uh, I am so proud of what Mission Log has become and I'm excited for what it, it, the potential and the future of what it can become. I don't want us to start compromising anything now, regardless of the feedback we get. Um, so again, most of it's been positive. Um, and again, anyone who's got criticism when they send it in, please send it in, but send it in with, with, uh, with, with thought and, and intelligence and, and with, with a rational sort of uh, idea behind it and an explanation. And, uh, we love that, that kind of stuff. That's how we I, all grow. So, um, uh, I would just say, uh, keep up the good work guys. <laughs> Well, thank you for that. I hope that anybody who listens to our show realizes that not only do we think Star Trek is good, you know, because we, we came to this as fans, but we think that Star Trek is important. And because we hold kind of both of those things, um, we don't want to give it any less in the attention that it deserves. And sometimes that is harsh criticism um, but it's not just there to, uh, to take Star Trek down a notch or to complain. It's really because we're saying, man, that this is a show that for 50 plus years has always felt like it had something to say. So let's dig into that and figure out what that is. And if what they're saying is, in our opinions, off track, well, well, so be it. It might be absolutely on the mark for somebody else, which is perfectly valid as well. Well, thank you guys for having me here. Um, uh, I, I've, I've never really hosted my own, uh, uh, I guess, supplemental. And uh, I, I appreciate you guys letting me ask my fanboy questions and then also letting me dig a little deeper into to where we are, how we got here, and, and hopefully where we're going. And uh, I, I appreciate it. I got to say, Rod, if you uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, you could actually uh, you could pitch a show <laughs> to the Roddenberry Podcast Network, and because uh, yes. we know a couple of people, and and maybe maybe yep. we can get you on. Boy, that was a lot. <laughs> I, I hope you edited it down a little. See, now I, it, you're going to be editing this while I'm gone. Yeah. And I remember that the conversation was great. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it was a lot. I'm going to take out that part about the strippers. Oh, yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> please. Sorry. Yeah. There was no part about strippers. 
No. As far as you know. <laughs> hey, uh, so so that's it. That's it. Uh, as, as the computer said a week or two ago, the time on RISO was fun, but it's back to work. And, uh, and we are back to work next week. Yeah, so the mission continues, kicking off DS9 Season 3 with uh, the, the Search, Parts 1 and 2, both parts at one time. Uh, not to be confused with the Siege, or the Chase, or any of those other things uh, that I kept writing when I started writing the recap. <laughs> so uh, that will kick us off into Season 3 of DS9, and uh, you know what, there'll be a supplemental or two scattered in there somewhere as well. So uh, much more mission log to come. And it's convention season coming up, so uh, we'll hopefully all get to hang out at either Comic-Con or Vegas. So much mission log on the horizon, you're going to get sick of us. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network